Thank you, everybody, for joining us for our 101st episode of Explaining the Faith. I'm Father Chris Alar, one of the Marian priests here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy, and it's so great to be back live with all of you. We have a good crowd here at the Shrine this morning, and you joining us online. We hope that you'll be with us through the duration. Today is an important topic that we're going to be talking about that people ask all the time, Father, why can't I do yoga? or Reiki, or a Ouija board, or fortune tellers, or horoscopes. We're going to talk about all of that. And so we're going to give you church teaching, take you back to seminary with us on why the church teaches what she does regarding these new age activities. But let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you send the Holy Spirit down upon us, to open our minds and hearts, to be able to have the wisdom to discern good from bad, to know right from wrong, and to carry it out in our lives. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so now you saw on the title slide, yoga, reiki, Ouija board, horoscopes, fortune tellers, tarot cards, dream catchers, these are all things we're going to talk about. Now, people of religious faith, like us Catholics, are often stereotyped as being gullible. Oh, you guys will believe anything. You believe that craziness that Jesus isn't a piece of bread. Well, at the same time, non-religious people are always seen as scientific and rational. Well, actually, uh, a 2007 study out of Baylor University kind of debunked this. It showed that non-religious people, listen to this, were more likely to believe in paranoia phenomena more than religious people, like ghosts, seances, things like that. 8% only 8% of church-going religious people had high levels of belief in things like ghosts and demons and psychics. But 31% of people who never attend church believe in those things. That's part of the reason why New Age, this kind of stuff is so popular. Because it's the unchurched who really embrace it, surprisingly. I thought that was interesting. Let's look at our next slide. The key to start here is astrology versus astronomy. Now, one is good and accepted by science. One is not. What is the story here? Okay. Astronomy, astronomy is good. This is the study of the physical universe as a whole. Planets, the stars, physics, I, in college, had quantum mechanics. That's a, a physics course. But astrology, although it's the mother of astronomy, it actually came first, is not a true science. It's not. It's more superstition. And it claims that the location of the stars and the planets can affect your personality and your future like a horoscope. This is what we're going to talk about. Let's go to our next slide. 
This is the zodiac signs. They rely, this astrology relies on interpreting the position of the zodiac. What is the zodiac? It's the belt of 12 constellations of stars. And based on the relation and their location of where they were at when you were born, the date of a person's birth. So if I'm a Leo, I'm July 26th is when I was born. So I'm a Leo and everybody laughs. Father, you're the quintessential Leo. You act like a Leo. It does not determine my personality. Okay. Now it may be coincidence, but it does not, that would take away your free will, the church teaches. If you're determined by the stars, then everything the Bible teaches about free will would be wrong. Now, it doesn't mean the stars and the moon don't affect us. You might have a good day on a full moon. You might be the one who has a bad day on the full moon because of the gravity of the earth and things like that. But that's physical. Okay, so we're going to talk about all this. Now, back in ancient times, many thought the stars ruled their fate but Christians knew better. They were the first ones to say, no, 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 no. This is not compatible with free will. Free will determines your fate. So they agreed, though, as I said, that stars could affect things like your mood, but not your future. If you think you determined your future, it's superstition. And we have to be careful of this. Now, that doesn't mean it's sinful necessarily. If you kind of look at it out of interest or fun, but if it becomes your guiding principle rather than the will of God, that's when the church steps in and says, can't do it. You need to confess that. Let's look at our next slide. These are the horoscopes. So you've got Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. So every one of you is one of those things. But here's the thing. These horoscopes, yeah, they're free in the newspaper, and the problem is they can be quite vague. All right, so out of doing research for this, I just looked up my horoscope. It says, a new relationship will be forged for you today. Well, yeah, I'm going to go out to the tents today and meet new pilgrims. Oh, my gosh. The horoscope has determined my future destiny. No. In general, that's going to happen. The problem is, if you get too deep into this, detailed predictions about the future, they'll tell you you have to go to a professional. All of a sudden, now you start paying out a lot of money. You have to go to an astrologer. And then the astrologer will tell you your exact future so you can plan for it. All of a sudden, now you're spending thousands of dollars. These are not free. Be careful, please, because the International Astronomical Association, quote, astrological, we're talking about astrology here, practice is by no means scientific. The church embraces science. The funny thing is, Everybody attacks the church for being superstitious and not scientific. It's the exact opposite. The church has always embraced science, not superstition. How ironic is that? And so this is fascinating. So anyway, some critics even say that even if astrology is fake, it's kind of like 
big time wrestling. Big time wrestling is, well, I don't care. It's fake. It's entertaining. Okay. Some say this is, this is some critics that even if astrology is fake, it's harmless fun. And there's no reason to be worried about it. Well, be a little careful. Why? Because besides the belief in or the practice of astrology can be a sin, it doesn't work. So we have to ask, why would you risk the sin of getting really in deep to this stuff? All right. St. Augustine, he went so far as to say that heresy and astrology were the two things from the devil. That's St. Augustine. He said two things come from the devil, <clears throat> heresy and astrology. Very interesting. Now let's look at this quote <clears throat> up on your slide. So the church has said this about astrology and psychics. All forms of divination, not divinization, that means sharing in the divine life of God. That's good. Divinization is good. Divination is not. Listen to this. All forms of divination are to be rejected. What is that? Recourse to Satan or demons, conjuring up the dead. Now we'll talk about that. Don't we Catholics conjure up the dead? We'll talk about that. Or other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future. That's the key. Consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, and recourse to mediums like psychics all conceal a desire for power over time, history, and other human beings, as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. They contradict the honor, respect, and loving fear that we owe to God alone. That's Catechism 2116. Now, why is this a problem? All right, let's go to our next slide. There's a picture of a seance. These are mediums. Well, wait a minute. Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. You can be a mediator when you pray for somebody, but that's intercession. That's different. We'll talk about that in a minute. So looking at this slide, that's a seance. That's contacting the dead. So while astrologers, all right, claim that they can give us secret knowledge by contacting the dead, consulting the stars, they claim that they can give you secret knowledge by consulting the spirits of the dead. You know who was majorly into this? Houdini. Hitler. These are people who were majorly into this. Rasputin. Got to be careful. Some people may say that these mediums just provide entertainment and that there's nothing to worry about. But ask that of a relative. I have a good friend, his mom, very beautiful lady. She comes up and visits us here. Beautiful, beautiful lady. And they had to get her name off of everything, off of every bank account, because she had given over $100,000 to a psychic who said that if she didn't pay her the money, she was going to conjure the dead to give her children cancer. I mean, this is horrendous. 
this is horrendous. So my friend had to actually have her removed from her own bank accounts just to protect her from these poachers, these predators that were feasting on this innocent, innocent lady, older lady. So, you know, you can be tricked into spending thousands of dollars. I'd be careful. And the possibility that psychics could be aided by demonic forces is real. You want to know why sometimes they might tell you the truth? It's called demonic wisdom. Sometimes Satan will choose somebody that he knows will be in his service and give him incredible knowledge, him or her. Incredible. And then you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I got to follow him. I, I got to do what he says because he, wouldn't, he couldn't have known these things. Yeah, because Satan sometimes gives demonic intelligence. You got to discern. Be careful of people who come up and tell you that they were told this, like even by God sometimes. Got to be careful. They use generalities to suck you in. Like, oh, Father, you're going to have a new relationship today. I already had two. I met them out in front of the shrine this morning. Okay? You know, uh, but then they'll come back for more. But you notice, they really aren't psychics. They don't even know your name. Try to find one psychic that you've never met before. You walk in out of the street and ask them what your name is. Oh, but they're supposed to be a psychic. Not one of them will know your name unless they know who you are. Very careful. All right, so the church condemns Summoning the dead. Well, wait a minute. You Catholics summon the dead. Every time you pray to a saint, you summon the dead. No. Listen to church teaching. When you summon the dead, it is to have a communication with them, a two-way communication, like a seance, to know the future. That is not the same as us asking a saint to pray to God for us. We're not even asking for two-way communication. We're putting our petition on the saint and saying, can you please present it to God because you are there at his throne. This is in the Bible. You don't believe it? Well, look at Revelation 5, verse 8 and 9. It's in the Bible. Now, let's talk about this. The church is condemned because they say we do this. No, we don't. Oh, yes, you are, Father. You're guilty of necromancy. Deuteronomy chapter 18, conjuring the dead. You're guilty, just like Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 28, where Saul summoned the ghost of Samuel. Remember this? He went to that witch, Endor. This is the first book of Samuel, chapter 28. And he went to her to know the future. Now, why? So he could use it for bad. That's not what we do with the saints. I don't say, Saint Faustina, tell me the future. Tell me that I'll be in Chicago next week so I can hunt down that guy that stole money from me two years ago. That's not what I pray to Saint Faustina for. Not at all. Here, I'm telling you to turn your phones off and mine rings. Okay. All right. So a contemporary form of necromancy is the Ouija board. 
the Ouija board. It summons spirits. You got to be careful. We're going to talk about that a lot here in a minute. Some fundamentalists, they criticize us Catholics and they claim that praying to saints is necromancy. No, it isn't. The key difference between saintly intercession, what we as Catholics do, and necromancy, invoking the spirit of the dead to get information to use it for bad, is totally different. Intercession involves only asking the saints to present our petitions to God, which is an ability God has granted them to, to, to be in the beatific vision. Again, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Necromancy involves two-way communication that summons the dead through magic in order to extract information from them. Tell me, tell me, this desire is to circumvent God and to exchange information with them for my benefit. It has nothing to do with going to God to help. That's what we do as Catholics. So the church does not condemn certain simple things like stage magic, like a little child pulling a ribbon out of a hat. Okay, the church doesn't condemn that. Well, Father, the church condemns all magic. No, you got to walk that fine line like Harry Potter. All right, because Harry Potter gets into involving spells and witchcraft, right? Now, it's not stage magic. Stage magic, in those cases, the audience knows that the source of the illusion is the magician's ingenuity and his own ability and talent, not some supernatural demon. So that's the thing. All right, speaking of demons, let's talk about demons and ghosts real quick. I did a talk on this a few months ago, so you can get more detail. But I think this is a good, a good place because right now, to explain this, there's nothing wrong with invoking God, the good angels, or the saints. But the other spirits that might respond when you are into this new age stuff and not going to the good could be demons. Why? Because a demon is a fallen angel. So when you invoke any kind of spiritual being, guess who could answer? It's kind of like leaving your keys in the car out in the middle of the public. You could be of a good person, find it and lock the door for you, or you leave your doors open, let's say. You got the keys. And you leave your doors and windows wide open and there's a bunch of uh, bags in the seat. You could either have a good person come and lock your doors for you, or you could have a bad person come and take it. You know, it's kind of funny because I lost my wallet like maybe three times in my life, and one of them was years ago. Sometimes a person's a mix of the two, good and bad. And the person took all the cash, but mailed me back my license. Mailed it back to me. So they took all the cash, but my wallet was mailed back without any return address. Like, what the heck? So sometimes there is some good, but you got to be careful leaving yourself open like an open car with your being on that front seat because a bad entity could step in. Got to be careful. Both the good and the bad angels 
could respond. Because they take forms, they take physical forms, right? The spirits of the departed humans could also manifest themselves. Those are ghosts, okay? The church does believe this. Aquinas, listen to this, said even the damned souls in hell might appear, sometimes against their will. God has them appear to scare us living back onto the right path. Wow, that's kind of freaky, isn't it? And sometimes souls in purgatory appear to ask for prayers. So you might hear knocking in the middle of the night. You might hear footsteps. I told that story before where I heard the footsteps when I was at Steubenville, Ohio. Then there are those in the New Age movement. Be careful because they promote angel encounters as a way to enter into the spiritual world. And these good angels will come to help you. Be careful who answers your call. All right. They're called upon to help you with improving your personal lives. The danger, the danger is what you ask. If it's not of God, a demon can help you achieve your goals. In Satan's way, not God's way. You know that story? of the old blues guitar player named Johnson. I think I forget his first name, but his last name was Johnson at the crossroads down in Mississippi. Supposedly, this guy was a knock around, not too good a blues player. Couldn't even get a gig at the local bar. This is back like in the 20s or 30s. And he would go around begging to play and nobody wanted him. He just wasn't that good. But his dream, his dream was to play blues. So he invoked the spirits. He invoked the help of the supernatural. Well, guess what? He was answered, but it was demonic. Ended up being Satan. The whole thing is documented. A lot of rock stars will tell you that to achieve fame and fortune, they basically gave up their soul accepted a life of debauchery. The doors, this is not me making it up. This is just fact. Jim Morrison is quoted before he died as saying, when I went on that stage, it was not me. A spirit took over. And the words that came out were of a spirit. Now, I'm not for sure, but I would guess that was probably not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Okay, so we got we got to be careful. All right. So anyway, you got to be careful. The Vatican warns against this. Don't do this, and don't think that any mystic who peers at your door is sent by God. All right. Not always. You know. So be weary. Let's look at our next slide. This is the Ouija board. All right. Y'all seen the Ouija board? Are these harmless? Oh, let's talk about the Ouija boards. The Ouija board is not harmless. It is a form of divination, not divinization, divination, seeking information from the supernatural. Some say the Ouija board, you know where the word Ouija comes from? We, O-U-I, that's yes in French, and J-A, ja, that's yes in German. Ouija, Ouija. Ouija, Ouija board, we, 
Yes in French, yeah. Yes in German. So it's basically giving your yes, your fiat, to a demonic, a, a supernatural uh, entity. The only fiat you should give is your yes to God. You don't need an Ouija board for that. You need a rosary. Okay? And so it works. It's a portal. But the only spirits that are contacted through it are evil ones. You remember that movie, The Exorcist, from 1973, the old original one? Do you remember how that boy, that, well, in the movie it was a girl, but in real life it was a boy. His possession came through the Ouija board with his aunt. Be careful of this. I told the story before where my mom, when I was a little kid, I remember playing the Ouija board. Thank the Lord he protected us. Because I think the Lord knew he had other plans. But that could have been a huge portal. Luckily, I think we only did it once or twice. You got to be careful. Some say, oh, I don't believe it anyway. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's real even if you don't believe it. Okay? Now, Deuteronomy 18. Let's go back to this. This is that necromancy. Let no one be found among you who practices divination. This is invoking the, the supernatural spirits. Or sorcery. Interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells. That's the issue with Harry Potter. Who, or who is a medium, or spiritist, or who consults the dead. We as Catholics don't do this. All right, anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Now, here's what I find fascinating. Do you know that they pulled several exorcists? Priests who are actually in exorcism ministry. And they said 90% of the worst cases involving demonic possession were linked to the Ouija board. 90%. This is unbelievable. Do you know when the Ouija board took off? The 1960s. When did this world begin to fall apart? The 1960s. Do you know in the 1960s, the Ouija board outsold Monopoly? The Ouija board outsold Monopoly. And we wonder... At the 1960s was where everything fell apart. Prayer was taken out of schools, the sexual revolution, all these horrendous things. And this is when the Ouija board took off. For many, spiritualism seemed to extend hope. Well, I can reach my loved ones and erase or ease the pain of like losing a loved one. So they did it with good intent. The allure of um, uh, immortality, not immorality, that's not an allure, but immortality, or to have some spirit counsel became a way to cope with anxiety, having security about the future, to get advice about health, love, or money. This is what sucks you in. But God will reveal to you what you need to know, not some Ouija board, Okay? So let's look at our next slide. You know who that is? That's Abraham Lincoln. Do you know Abraham Lincoln, according to several accounts, 
President Abraham Lincoln hosted seances in the White House. Now, some believe that it was more kind of a good humor, kind of a, just more of a game than being a spiritual, serious thing. But there's no room for that. We got to be careful, as I keep saying. Now, Catholics, we can be, you know, we can be superstitious. I'm going to guarantee you right now what I'm about to tell you, some of you have done with fully good intent because I did it. You ever see one of those novenas laying in the church? And it says, you do this novena, it will guarantee your prayer will be answered. You leave nine copies of it. And I'm running around photocopying it. I'm 22 years old. I'm coming back to my faith. I'm photocopying this. Okay, I got one over at St. Peter's. I got one at St. Michael's. I got one at St. Mary's. I got one at St. John's. I'm running around. That's Catholic superstition. I guarantee you some of you have fallen into this. Novenas that are guaranteed to grant your prayer intention are false. They're false. Or Catholic prophets who claim to know, and there's several of them online right now, you know who they are, Catholic priests that are claiming to know the future based on God's revelation to them. This is superstition. The only thing we can look to is approved private revelation. There's one priest in particular that's been involved in this whole coming of the kingdom and he's been given all these prophetic things that you gotta be really careful. Church teaches against this. All right? Judge beliefs in light of public revelation and approved private revelation. That's why God gives us the church. Oh, I don't need the church. That's exactly why you need the church. Superstition occurs when we put efficacy of our prayers or the sacramental signs to just the fact that you do them, having nothing to do with your disposition or your true heart. Oh, I don't care. I'm going to go... Um, embezzle money from my company, cheat on my taxes, and have my affair. But I'm going to quick say this novena nine times. Uh-uh. Well, the prayer says it's guaranteed to work. Uh-uh. The church warns against this. That's Catechism 2111. Now, a novena that will grant any petition that you desire is a spiritual vending machine. Okay, because what if I asked, what if I asked right now, what if I truly wanted to find a nice lady and leave the priesthood? Which I know in my heart, I'm called to the priesthood. I know that in my heart, despite my weaknesses, despite my brokenness. In fact, even my mom, God bless her. My mom has bad dementia right now. My dad was putting her to bed. God bless my mom. And I was home with her there and I went downstairs to get her little potty. And I was bringing it up to her. My mom says to my dad, I sure hope Christopher finds some nice young lady someday. <laughs> and my dad goes, no, we don't want that. <laughs> and so if I pray in Novena, it says it's guaranteed. Yeah, I want to leave the priesthood. I want to find a nice lady. Uh-uh. It's not how it works. 
Because that's not God's will for my life. I know that inside. And so we have to be careful. This is condemned by James 4.3. You ask, but you do not receive because you ask wrongly. <laughs> that's a good lesson. Belief that the act of saying a prayer just for the act of saying it and leaving nine copies in a church and that it'll guarantee a certain income, uh, outcome, that defeats the entire purpose of prayer. Prayer is to have faith that God's will will be done, not our will. Let's look at our next slide. Here's a famous one. I bet you've done this. I did it. Bury St. Joseph upside down. Bury St. Joseph upside down. All right, here's the thing. Why do we bury poor St. Joseph upside down? It's in hopes that God will sell your home faster. Why? Because St. Joseph is irritated in being in such an uncomfortable position and would like it to end so he'll sell the house so you can unbury him and set him right side up. This is superstition. Now, be careful because I'm not saying it's bad. It's okay if you did it asking for his intercession. That's why you'll see it in some good Catholic bookstores. I think we've even had it here before, but I always tell people, be careful your intent. Now, if you're doing it to simply ask for his intercession, okay then. Leaving it buried, though, is an acceptable way of disposing of religious items. So burying St. Joseph isn't necessarily bad, all right? But God may reveal sacred truths to people in some ways, like Fatima, in approved private revelation. However, these private revelations never, ever, ever add to or correct public revelation, like the Bible or dogma, church dogma. And that's why you're not required to believe them. So even if you are, even if you are invoking God and his angels and his saints, it's not automatically legitimate because it's possible to fall into superstition. God, make me leave the priesthood. Bring me that new lady. Because I did the nine-day novena that I found in the church that says it's guaranteed. Mm-mm. Got to be careful, us Catholics. The Catholic Church loves our Hispanic community, but there's a real thing there, Santa Muerto, right? That's superstition. There's gangsters and drug runners that wear rosaries because they believe that they'll be invincible, that they won't die in gunfights because they got the rosary around their neck. Superstition. Be careful. Expecting an image to have power, like from the stars, because you put some symbol on it, superstition. If you are relying only on the powers of God, though, built into nature, it could be okay, like an herb. Let's say you take an herb because it's a natural herb and, and you hope to get healing from it. That's okay. Because here, you're relying on the healing power of God through his nature. That's different than thinking the star is what healed you. All right, now let's get into the biggie, yoga. Let's look at our next slide. We get this question all the time. 
And I'm going to draw from Catholic answers and a good guy that went to Franciscan University named Brian Mercer. Um, I follow him. He's, he's really good. Talks faster than I do. Now, the church does not specifically promote or condemn yoga, mainly because it has many forms. All right? Let's talk about yoga. If the breathing and the body positions are simply done for exercise, okay, and your health, then it may be okay. Now, I'm going to underline may, not guaranteed. Even those are not guaranteed. But spiritually, yoga is more than just exercise. Do you know where it comes from? It comes from Hindu scriptures. This is where yoga comes from. The Hindu gods, which we know is against the first commandment, the Hindu gods gave yoga to mankind as a way to free themselves from the material world and find divine Hindu enlightenment. There is no such thing as divine Hindu enlightenment. It's a false god. Doesn't mean we ostracize Hindu people. Doesn't mean we criticize them. But there's only one true God. This was the original purpose of yoga. To become one with all that is in the universe and to, to draw the energy. All right? You can't make yoga holy. You cannot. Because it is a Hindu scripture practice. Well, Father, isn't it only an exercise? I don't worry about all that. I just do it for exercise. So is that okay? Oh, let's talk about that. Exercise is only one branch of yoga, of eight main branches. It's just a small part of it. All right? And it's the least important. So just doing exercise is not really doing yoga. All right? It wasn't even part of the original yoga. Exercises were added much later. If you want this, just call it exercise. Don't call it yoga. I'm stretching. Don't get into the yoga part. Just do the exercise stretching part. Call it what it is, exercise and stretching. I try to work out once in a while because my heart doctor told me if I don't get 150 minutes of exercise a week, my heart's going to give out. I'm lucky if I get 30 a week, but I stretch and I exercise. I'm not calling it yoga. Well, yeah, but I follow the yoga. Okay, let's get into this. I follow the yoga positions. All right, let's talk about this. It's like exercise is such a small part of the overall thing of yoga. Why focus on that? It's like Stevie uh, or Brian Mercer says it's like calling the brick the house. The brick is only one small part of the house. Don't confuse the whole with the part, he says. The real work of yoga is meditation and concentration, which is dangerous. When God is not at the center, you ever hear a centering prayer? Oh, well, Father, I've got proof that it was used by ancient Christians. Yes, when Jesus was the center of that centering prayer and not you. If your meditation includes Center yourself in the universe. 
Now that centering prayer is not Christ-centered. It's you-centered. It's the I prayer, like your iPhone and your iPad. That's not what we do. So if exercises are not really linked to yoga, so can we do these exercises? Can we do them? Like stretches? Mostly yes. But some say no. Some Catholic theologians, they say beware because some of the exercise positions are Hindu worship positions. However, everything I've studied from Brian Mercer and others and Catholic Answers said, this actually isn't really true. I was surprised by that. Modern yoga poses do not exist as part of yoga until recently. Not until the 1930s. So this isn't even part of it. They came from other exercise programs, like in the Scandinavian countries. Well before becoming part of yoga, these exercises were not designed to worship Hindu gods, according to Brian Mercer. I always thought and heard they did. And that's one of the reasons they were dangerous. Now I've done tons of research in the last, recent here before this talk, and it appears that's not so much the case. But that doesn't make it automatically good if that's why you're using it. If you're trying to put yourself as the God, then that's even worse than the Hindu God. All right? So yes, you can do the exercises, but the church in their document says it's better to do them at home because then you have no spirituality attached to them. Because these positions are linked to yoga, and if you do that, like in a class, then it's wrong. So do not call this yoga if you're just doing the exercise. Do it at home. Like I said, this predated yoga's inclusion of these exercises. Yoga includes a lot more. But you cannot do it and should not do it as part of a yoga class. This is, this is what the church teaches that brings in true yoga spirituality. That's the problem. Why? Because Hindu beliefs are part of yoga meditation. And that is not a part of Catholicism. All right? Meditation and centering prayer to call upon some kind of energy form in the universe. Fill me. Empty myself so that I'm filled with this energy. The only thing that should fill you, like the wedding feast at Cana, when the jar was empty, is the wine of the Holy Spirit. Not some feeling of some kind of energy and some force. No, that's the problem here. This is what the church is warning against. All right? Meditation and centering prayer, to call upon this energy as some kind of oneness with the universe, that's all part of yoga. Even breathing, well, Father, I just use it to breathe. Okay. If you're just trying to breathe so that your heart beats better and stuff like that, that's fine. But breathing can be a problem if breathing is, I'm breathing in the divine energy. 
Now, if it's God that you want to breathe in, like we breathe in the Holy Spirit and live out mercy, yeah, that's good. But if all of a sudden you're breathing in this karma of some Hindu God, then we got a problem. All right? This is the purpose. Well, I only go for the exercise. But if you're Catholic and people see you there, that's scandal. It's kind of like, Father, I'm Catholic and I want to attend my neighbor's same-sex marriage. I don't agree with it, but I'm going to go. No, the church teaches that now you've put a stamp that I'm Catholic and as a Catholic, this is okay. It doesn't mean we don't love the people. You love the people. You always love the people. You don't judge them. Only God can judge them. But we can't condone the action. So you shouldn't be in these classes as a Catholic condoning it because that is a scandal. Well, it must be okay because Johnny Catholic does it. So therefore, it must be fine. No. Let's look at our next slide. Classes are not the place to do the exercises. Do it at home. Do exercises with no spirituality attached to it other than our true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yoga focusing on your energy, putting yourself at the center of the universe, can open portals to the demonic. God doesn't work through these pagan practices. Okay? You got to be careful. There are no other gods than our God of the Trinity. There are no other gods to invoke. There are no Hindu gods. So two factors are important here, everybody. First, it depends. We're talking about yoga now. It depends on whether yoga is being presented in a manner that is free from religious elements. Example, purely a system of physical exercise. Then it can be okay done at home. If it is coupled with elements of Hindu spirituality, even though they don't mention it, they don't mention the word God or Hinduism, but they talk about moving energy around your body. It's not appropriate for us as Catholics. It's part of a deeper spirituality. Again, stick to an exercise routine. What about children? Well, my children go. It's good for them. Well, be careful because children are not mature in their thinking. And while you as an adult may be firm in your faith and not worry about yoga affecting you in an exercise class or you being attracted to Hindu spirituality, a child may not have that same ability. They may be formed. So let's walk, watch. I found this video I'm going to show you of a priest, Father Slinley or Slinley, and I really wanted to play just a three-minute clip, but he really summarizes yoga well. And he references that church document that I was just talking about and their statement about spirituality of yoga. This is a great little three-minute video. So let's watch this and see what this priest has to say about yoga. I think a lot of people that do yoga don't, don't get into the spirituality right behind the yoga. They just want to stretch. They want to feel better. They want to work on their breathing. But I think there are some risks. So the Congregation for the Faith wrote a document on some aspects of Christian meditation in 1989. And it says that the church teaches that Christian prayer flees from impersonal techniques or from concentrating on oneself, 
which can create a kind of rut, imprisoning the person praying in a spiritual privatism, which is incapable of a free openness to the transcendental God. And just looking at a statue of Buddha, it's generally an image of Buddha sitting in a position like this, and he's kind of eyes pointed inward, heart pointed inward, is a real focus on himself, inward looking. And if you look at the saints, they tend to be looking up, they tend to be looking out, they're outward looking towards God. I think a lot of people that get into Eastern religions or really get into, into the full holistic aspect of yoga are looking for peace without God sometimes. Where in Christianity, we find peace through our search for God, through our search for his will, through our conformity to his will. So that's just something we have to ask. What are we really looking for? Are we looking just for peace? Are we looking for a relationship with Jesus Christ? I know there's a lot of meditation rooms. There's yoga rooms where people do this emptying of oneself, this detachment from the world, this purification of the senses, which in itself, again, isn't a bad thing. But what are you putting in there? What are you filling uh, with that with that emptiness? And I think there's a risk of, of going deeper into yourself and analyzing too much of, of your own humanity and not allowing God's divinity to penetrate that. So when I think of meditation, I think of prayer, I think of more of a conversation, not so much of an emptying. I do think of, of, of putting myself in the state of, of emptiness, of clearing my head so I can converse with God. Just as if you're married, you don't want the distractions of the day to interrupt your relationship or your conversation with your spouse, right? So that, that in itself is okay, but we have to remind ourselves prayer is about a relationship. It's about a connection with Christ. And we're ultimately here to imitate Christ. And so again, hey, nothing wrong with yoga as an exercise, as a physical workout, as a means of stretching, you know, increasing your breathing skills, but please uh, make the distinction and be careful not to delve into that other aspect of the spirituality behind it and not to confuse transcendental meditation with Christian prayer, which is conversation. God bless you. Well, thank you. That's a very powerful video uh, by that priest explaining church teaching on yoga. Now, I don't mean to offend any Hindus personally, but we as Catholics have to stand for God and the one true God, okay? We don't criticize the individuals, uh, but we love them, but we have to realize that there is one true God and only one true God. And that's the point of what we just talked about. Now let's get to Reiki. Let's look at our next slide. This is Reiki. Now just looking at that picture ought to scare you. Unless that's the hands of the Holy Spirit or an ordained priest, that ought to scare you. This is what Reiki is. All right. The USCCB, when asked the question, can Catholics use Reiki? The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops said no. This is in their guidelines for evaluating Reiki as an alternative therapy. In this, they called the Japanese form of alternative medicine comparable to superstition. And the evaluation that they describe says its practices are without support in Christian belief or science. 
Therefore, it's inappropriate. The guidelines, these church guidelines, describe Reiki as a healing technique invented in Japan in the late 1800s by Makeo Usiu, who was studying Buddhist texts. Now, Reiki teaches that an illness is caused by some kind of disruption or imbalance in one's life energy. Okay? A Reiki practitioner is believed to be able to affect healing by placing his or her hands, just like that picture, in certain position on the patient's body to facilitate the flow of Reiki, the universal life energy from the practitioner to the patient. This is a problem. You really should never let anybody lay hands on your head other than a priest. As a Catholic, people can pray over you, but to actually have anybody other than a priest lay your hands over you and on you, it's not good. I remember I was in Omaha, Nebraska. I was an ordained priest. I had my collar on. And I'm coming out of the grocery store. This is Omaha, Nebraska. And this woman came out dressed in all black, black fingernail polish. And she says, are you a priest? And I said, yes. And she says, I need to pray over you. And she came and she insisted on putting her hands on my head. I stepped away. I said, no, thank you very much. I really much appreciate the prayers, but that's okay. She said, no, 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 I have to pray over you. And she kept coming and I stepped back and she says, I need to lay my hands on your head. Well, I don't know. This could have been a curse. Maybe her intent was good. I don't know. But we're in the middle of the store parking lot with cars going by and she's demanding to put her hands on my head. I had to literally hold her off. And she insisted putting her hands physically on my head. I said, if you want to pray, let's pray together. She said, well, I have to put my hands on your head. No, you don't. Only an ordained priest will put hands on my head or a bishop. So anyway, she finally gave in. I turned around. I put my stuff in the car. I turned around. She was gone. Completely vanished. I don't know how she got out of my sight that fast. Very odd. It's only happened to me once in my life, but little things like that, be careful as I keep saying the theme of this video. Okay, so <clears throat> let's keep talking about this because scientific and medical communities have not accepted this as effective therapy. Reiki. The guidelines of the church say there is a radical difference between Reiki therapy and the healing by divine power. For Christians, the access to divine healing is by Christ. That's the divine healer. While the essence of Reiki is not a prayer, but a technique that is passed from the Reiki master... To the pupil. We have big centers right around here in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. They came here after the shrine was built. I think it's one of the reasons. I think the devil's trying to plant 
his position next to this shrine. Since Reiki therapy is not compatible with either Christian teaching or even science, it would be inappropriate for Catholic institutions such as Catholic healthcare facilities, retreat centers, or even people representing the church, such as a chaplain, to promote Reiki. Now, I get horrified when I hear chaplains at hospitals, Catholic chaplains, instructing people to do Reiki. This goes against church teaching, not against the people. Quote, right out of this what the church says, it is operating in the realm of superstition, not faith or science. Be careful. Let's go on to the next one. Tai Chi. Let's look at our next slide. Tai Chi. As a form of physical discipline or exercise, again, if that's it, that's okay. Like learning martial arts to defend yourself. Nothing wrong with that. However, mixing in religion in ideas such as believing that we have an energy, that's what chi means, C-H-I, within ourselves, that we can harness and control other people and things is not compatible with Catholicism. In addition, similar to yoga, in its religious expression, Tai Chi, it espouses pantheism. What is pantheism? Pantheism is the belief that the universe, God is the whole universe, that God's in that tree in the same way he's in the Eucharist. That's heresy. It's heresy. There is no personal God, and God is the universe, and we therefore are all somehow God. That's not church teaching. Tai Chi as a means of religious promotion or practice is not morally permissible. Now again, just a strict exercise can be. So again, avoid any class. If you're going to do it, do it at home. Avoid any class promoting or practicing these religious aspects of Tai Chi versus just simple exercise. All right, next one. Look at the dream catcher. Dream catchers, I always thought they were pretty cool. I love Native American culture. I love it. I went out to the Battle of the Little Bighorn, George Armstrong Custer, the Custer's last stand. He's from my hometown in Monroe, Michigan. There's a big statue. Who knows? The Wake Woke movement probably carried it away by now. But George Armstrong Custer is from my hometown. I went out there. I love Native American culture. I love the Native Americans. My first place I went after I was ordained was to the Native reservations up in Canada. And there I had an ex experience with New Age. But these dream catchers, and you could have them, let's take a look at them again. On, you see these hanging from people's windows and stuff. Displaying them in a home or in your car window is not a problem. Assuming it is used solely for decorative purposes, to decorate. Encouraging their use for anything else, like capturing the spirit in your dream, which is what the intent originally was for those. Eh. No. Let's go on. Next one. You all know this. Tarot cards. 
Here I'm going to borrow from Father William Saunders. He did a good study on this. The good thing about you guys watching these videos is you save a ton of time because I do all the research for you. I go to my seminary notes. And that's my biggest and best place. Go to Chris Sparks, a theologian. I go to other priests. I, I go online. I read church documents. So we summarize it for you. All right, back to this document or this uh, picture. These are tarot cards that, that basically came about around the 14th century in Italy. Now, they're a pack of cards. All right, take a look at those. You see different symbols on them, the sun and the moon and, and everything. Okay, they're made up of 22 major enigmas that correspond to the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and the number of hieroglyphs that the ancient Jews used before the worship of the true God. The four series of 56 minor images have certain significance. For instance, gold signifies intellect. Uh, the clubs, like the clubs, that is government. The swords, they have swords, that's military. Uh, goblets they have on there, that's the priesthood. So the practitioners of tarot, they believe that these enigmas, images, and these series represent, listen to this, represent the sum of the knowledge of all sciences. In these deck of cards, particularly astrology, which we already talked about, and the order of the dealing of the cards are capable of revealing your future and solving all your problems. Big time. Eh. No. No, no, no. While yes, it's true God could choose to reveal the future to certain prophets and saints, those are the ones approved by the church. So until you are approved by the church, no. We, as non-approved individuals, must have our trust in divine providence alone. So, try to discover the future through tarot cards, palm reading, Ouija boards, fortune telling, or try to control the future through black magic, witchcraft, or sorcery, violates the first commandment. People think the first commandment, well, I never broke the first commandment. I don't worship Allah or Buddha. All those things are breaking the first commandment. And a lot of people will spend a lot of money going to a fortune teller or a psychic. I pray for them. We have one right up here in Pittsfield. I pray for them. People are being misled and souls are in jeopardy. Don't fall into that trap. Fortune-telling is inherently linked with the practices of the occult. Nazis, they thrived on this. Let's take a look at our next slide. This is a quote from the Old Testament. A man or a woman who acts as a medium or fortune-teller shall be put to death by stoning. They have no one but themselves to blame for their death. Leviticus 2027. That's scary, huh? That's scary. Pray for them. Don't um, give to them. Don't patronize them. Pray for them. St. Paul, he exercised a fortune teller in Acts 16. 
St. Paul condemns sorcery in Galatians 5.19. Reading a horoscope, though, okay, I want to be careful. Please, don't let me scare anybody saying, oh my gosh, Father, in 1988, I read my horoscope. Oh my, no, 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 Father, you tell me I'm lost soul. No, no. First of all, confession heals all of this. Okay? And reading the newspapers or a fortune cookie Cameraman Giuseppe always gets excited when we order Chinese. He reads the fortune cookies. No, cameraman Giuseppe's okay because he's a believer in God and in God's providence. He doesn't put his life savings into that fortune in a fortune cookie. All right? This is not the problem. However, taking these horoscopes seriously and paying and living your life based on a psychic? Yeah, problematic. All right, to finish, next slide. What is this new age, new paganism stuff? I'm going to finish with something really powerful here. And I'm borrowing this from Peter Kreeft, good friend of ours, philosopher at Boston College. He makes a great point here. You want to know why the world's in trouble right now? Because our paganism is worse than the paganism of the Old Testament. And look how the paganism of the Old Testament upset our Lord. Here's what he says. He says, the biggest challenge for Christianity today is not the other great religions like Islam or Judaism, Buddhism or Hinduism. He says it's not even atheism. Because atheism has no depth, no mass appeal, no staying power. So you know what the problem is today? It's a religion most of us think is dead, called paganism. It's very alive, he said. You know the word paganism comes from? Paganism comes from the Latin word pagani. I knew a guy with the last name Pagani. <laughs> One of our good Italians in Monroe. The word Pagani means from the fields, a country dweller, country bumpkin. My dad always used to say, in the Marines, the best fighters were those from the hills, the hillbillies, he called them. So they were the best fighters, not the city, slick-talking city guys. Well, anyway, these country people were the last ones to be converted to Christianity during the Roman Empire times. They held firm to their paganism. Well, they did convert, and today, now these country people are the last to abandon Christianity. They are the ones most faithful. You could see that on the charts when it comes up to votes for abortion. All the rural in the country, pro-life. All the cities, pro-death. It's the new paganism. So, last page. I want to finish with this because I think it's fascinating. There were three elements of the old paganism of the Old Testament that are missing in this new paganism, which means we're even worse today. Because as bad as paganism was then, they had three good qualities, believe it or not, that has even disappeared from the pagans of today. Listen to this. The first is the natural instinct 
to have some form of spirituality, something greater than yourself. The humility that realizes I'm not the center of the cosmos. The sun is. Or the moon. It was still pagan. They still worshiped the sun or the moon, but at least they didn't worship themselves. Our problem today is worshiping ourselves. I, 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 iPhone, iPad, I, everything. This contrasts with this arrogant attitude of this new pagan modern world of the West. Another word for the new paganism is humanism. Man is God. This is what came out of the Enlightenment, out of the French Revolution. The second element that was present in old paganism that we've lost today makes our paganism even worse, objective morality. Do you know even the pagans didn't believe in marriage other than between a man and a woman? Even the pagans knew this of the Old Testament. To the pagans as well as the Christian, there was moral rules. They were absolute. There was also objective moral truth. We've lost that today. Discovered things rather than created them. Things given in nature like marriage. All right? Discovered rather than created. Today, paganism, they create. We want to redefine marriage. We're going to create a new definition. The new paganism says we are the makers of moral laws. We determine a baby can be killed in the womb. We determine marriage is not between a man and a woman. We determine you can redefine your gender. No, even the most ancient of pagans never did that. They didn't. Well, I shouldn't say about the abortion. I know there's cases of that. It acknowledges Today's paganism, no divine revelation. Thus, no one's values can be judged to be wrong. There's no divine revelation, so don't tell me your truth. I have my truth. The problem is, there's only one truth. There's only one objective moral truth, and it comes from God. This new paganism's scripture is one sentence, judge not. Remember, as Catholics, we are to judge actions, not people, but you are to judge actions. I've said before, my next book, how well will this sell? Catholicism. We must be intolerant and judgmental. <laughs> Not of people, of actions that are contrary to the will of God. A mom cannot give in to a daughter who says, drive me to the abortion clinic and pay for my abortion. Can't do this. So this new paganism scripture is judge not. Remember, we judge actions, not people. The only thing wrong is the idea that there is something really wrong. Isn't that something? Listen to that again. To them, to the new pagans, the only thing wrong is the idea that there is a real wrong. Like abortion, like same-sex marriage, like transgenderism. And since man, rather than God is the origin of values. Notice what I just said. Man, not God, is the origin of values. Don't you force your values on me. There is no objective moral truth. This is the death of society. This is really polytheism. Many gods, many moralities. My morality says there's nothing wrong with taking the life in a womb. 
That's a problem. And please don't write me a letter. I'm not saying that. That is the pagan gospel. Moral relativism, I have my truth, you have your truth, is the equivalent of the old polytheism. And what was the problem of the Old Testament? Polytheism, many gods. Today, many gods are the state, the corporation, myself. That's the problem that upset our Lord. Each of us has become a god or a goddess. I determine what I do. I determine what I want. I determine what to do with my body. No, not when there's another body given to you. That's not your body. That's another body. You're just a steward. And the same with the father. Even though it's not physically in the father's body, same goes for him. And the third thing that we don't have anymore, even in paganism that they used to, is that awe-inspiring of something transcendent. The sense of worship and mystery. Again, even if it was something wrong, like the Native Americans had the great spirit, okay? The Native Americans' view of the great spirit is, is technically wrong, but it's a heck of a lot better than this new paganism today. In the modern world, the very sense of worship is dying, even in our Catholic liturgy. We've lost the sense of the sacred. There's a great book talking about the church in the last decades. Almost done here. Modern religion has removed miracles and the divine. God is not supernatural anymore. He's just, he's just natural. He's the universe. That's why in yoga, I, I become one with the universe. No, no. Pantheism, the belief that everything is God, has no sense of sin because everything around it, everything around us is God. That's not true. Thus, that's third feature, we don't have any transcendence. And that connects to the second one with no morality. So again, this new paganism rejects the fear of God. You know who God has become in the new paganism? The Pillsbury Doughboy. Pop. God's going to just look the other way, let you do what you want to do. There's no consequences. No, that's not the truth. The new paganism is winning. What I mean by winning, they won't win the battle. God tells us this in Scripture. They will not win the battle but they're winning battles. They won't win the war, I should say. They won't win the war, but they're winning battles. You know why? Souls are being lost. And you know what else? They're winning by infiltrating the church. And this new paganism is even more clever than the old paganism. This is why the world is in really trouble. Worse trouble than any time in the Old Testament. It knows that any opposition from without, even by a vastly superior enemy like Rome or communism, never worked. Remember, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The more communism or the Romans tried to stamp out Christianity, the more it rose up. So the enemy, the way to bring the church down isn't from without. The problem now comes from within. We see these problems now our own cardinals and bishops going against church teaching? Unbelievable. The Bible says this would happen. 
The new paganism understands this and it uses the strategy of the serpent. It whispers very softly, did God really say that? Did God really say abortion is wrong? Did God really say marriage is between just a man and a woman? Or that it could be between a man and a woman? Did God really say you're a man? Or maybe you are not. This is the problem. This new paganism is based on the three enemies of God. Humanism, man is God. Polytheism, there's many gods. And pantheism, there's no transcendent God. The only possibilities <clears throat> for meaning in life. You want to know the whole answer to the meaning of life? You can only go to four places to get the meaning of life. Here it is. There's only four possibilities for the ultimate meaning of life. One, the correct one. Theism. One transcendent God. The God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's one. But not many people find that today. The second is humanism. Man is God. The third is polytheism. There are many gods. The fourth is pantheism. God is in everything. The problem is most people have chosen those last three, not the one main one. This so-called New Age movement combines the feature of those other three, this new paganism. You know, we know the gates of hell can't prevail against the church, so stick with the church. It's the only answer. And so the last word, last slide, I forgot what my last slide is. Oh, yeah. Father, if all you're saying is true, that astrology's not good, how come the Bible says the three magi were astrologers? That's got to be good, right? All right. At the time, astrology was used, there was no separation from astronomy and astrology. Astronomy, there's nothing wrong with. Astrology was used to forecast things like wars, epidemics, and the birth of kings. In the ancient world, there was no distinction between astronomy and astrology. That's become more recent. So while the stars don't have the kind of influence that they used to, people believe, that doesn't mean God can't still use them for major events. He did in Bethlehem. And Peter, listen to this. You know, Peter cited the prophet Joel in his prediction that the moon would turn to blood on that certain day. This is Joel 2, verse 31, and then Peter references it in Acts 2, verse 20. Get a load of this. This is fascinating. It so happens that on the night of the crucifixion, if this was the night of the crucifixion, April 3rd, the year 33, there was a lunar eclipse very visible from Jerusalem and the moon turned completely red. It did turn to blood. So I've never known that that might be the actual date of the crucifixion. But it would make sense that God used a sign for it. April 3rd, year 33 AD. Very interesting. So it's clear from sacred scripture 
that God can and does use heavenly bodies as signs of his will. So don't let me think that anything to do with the planet is bad. I have to strip my wallpaper now because there's a sun on it and Father told me that's no good. No. Some even suggest that God uses these and he does. But some have turned against Christianity by saying that we become a cult because we follow that stuff, like Christmas being having to do with the equinox and that kind of stuff. That's astrology. No, we don't. The early Christians, like the early Jews, opposed astrology, said it could be demonic. But everything comes from God. Doesn't mean he can't use the stars. Why? The stars come from God. Doesn't mean he can't use the sun. Mary used it at the miracle of the sun of Fatima. Why? Because the sun comes from God. The sun is not God. You see the difference? So hopefully this will help you to understand the Catholic Church is not a crackpot list of rules and regulations. There is a reigning and a meaning. There is a reason and a meaning that the church teaches what she does. Phenomenally important. And hopefully you can share this with others because we all know some people who are dabbling in this stuff. Trust me, even if they say, I have no intent, I don't believe in these other gods, just ask the boy from the movie The Exorcist. That was based on a real live young boy. And that happened because of the Ouija board. Now, does that mean please grab your son because he used the Ouija board three years ago and race him off to the exorcist? No. But just be careful. The theme of this talk. God bless you. And stay with the true meaning our God, the one true God, his church, the avenue by which to get to heaven. You have that. You don't need that other stuff. The new paganism, this new age stuff is very dangerous. Don't fall into its trap. God bless you. And as we finish, um, Brother Mark, I wanted to show, please help us, help us to spread the message of divine mercy. You can become a Marian helper. Join us at micprayers.org. Very simple. M-I-C for Marian's Immaculate Conception prayers.org. It takes 10 seconds, doesn't cost a thing, but you sign up, your loved ones, you can become Marian helpers, no charge, but you can start sharing in the grace of our masses, prayers, rosaries, not superstition. This is powerful. Then... In the next, you could get our DVD, my Explaining the Faith talk. You can get that at Shop Mercy or call 800-462-7426. The last couple slides, my books, uh, shopmercy.org. You can get Explaining, or excuse me, Understanding Divine Mercy. A lot of what I talk about is written down in this book if you want an easy source. That can get at Shop Mercy or again, 800-462-7426. And last suicide. Um, the book I have out on that, unfortunately, is selling very well because there are so many people struggling right now. And this book is not just about suicide. It's about any kind of suffering or loss. If you need, please get a copy. And let me tell you, you can't afford it. Contact Peter, my assistant. I'll send you a copy for free. If you've lost a loved one, I always give them away. Not just a suicide, anything. Accident, cancer. So please contact my assistant, Peter. 
and I'll send you a copy. Now, lastly, I want to finish. I will be joining Cardinal Burke, Stephen Ray, Father Don Calloway, and others going to the shrines of Wisconsin, okay, coming up at the end of July. If you would like to meet us, it's a, just a three-day event. Would love to have you. Please contact my assistant, Peter. You can reach him by phone or email, and I'm sorry I didn't make a slide for this, but Peter James, one word, at Marion.org. Peter James, one word, at Marion.org, M-A-R-I-A-N, or you can call him at 800, I'm sorry, 413, let me start over. You can call Peter at 413-298-1303. Would love to have you. Please join us. It's the only pilgrimage. I'm going one on to France uh, on Monday, and that's it for me for pilgrimages. So I hope to see you there. Hope you'll join us. And God bless you, and stay with us. Now, last announcement. Next week, we will be doing a broadcast explaining the faith talk, but it will not be live. So anybody who comes to the shrine, you can go downstairs and watch. You can still come here and watch it downstairs, but we're going to be playing a pre-recorded talk that I've done. So hopefully you can join us. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Dot org. Thank you, and God bless you.